Welcome back to another edition of Thinking Logically. This is Mark Graninetti, and I'm with the meme god himself, Dr. Joseph Anthony Corsi, the mastermind behind this. And uh, we'd like to welcome back all of our listeners, especially those down south of the border. I'm not talking about West Virginia. We're talking about Mexico. We are into Latin America, and we will get to the border and all of those people down south later on in this episode. But first, uh, we're going to kick it over to Joe, and we have a little retraction. So, Joe, take it away. Okay, so we're going to cover the 10-year-old uh, rape case out of Ohio, because if we're going to have a show here, Mark, we cannot be hypocrites. If I get something wrong, whether it's on this podcast or something I post on social media, I'm going to own it. So let's talk about this rape case involving a 10-year-old girl in Ohio. Okay, so this is a national story, and it was even mentioned by our president, President Biden. Now, when I looked into this, I noticed you really couldn't find, not you really couldn't, you couldn't find any info at all about this. There was no news stories, no charges filed, no police report which I thought had to legally be done by the attendant physician in a case of rape. Um, now, because of that, I assumed it was a fake story. And it, it appears as if I was wrong. So I'm going to apologize right now. I have to apologize. I apologize. It was, I was wrong. However, however, we now have more feet to hold to the fire because what I didn't get wrong is that abortion is legal in Ohio in a case like this. So why did someone drive a 10-year-old girl across state lines to Indiana to get an abortion? And who is this guy now accused of raping the child? He's already in the country illegally, and yet he's eligible for bail, believe it or not. It's $2 million, but the fact, he is eligible for bail. Really? Uh, they interviewed the girl's mother as she sobbed behind a cracked open door at her apartment or house or whatever it was. And she's claiming that this never happened. Her daughter's fine. And this man they arrested is actually innocent. So what's going on here? Uh, our, our, our president put this story in the national spotlight over the abortion, the Roe v. Wade or the Dobbs decision on Roe v. Wade. And again, it's another one that makes zero sense. And we get not, we get, know nothing about it again. It's, it's nothing. Maybe we'll get some answers, but don't, Hold your breath. Mark, where am I going wrong here? Was the rapist uh, an illegal alien? Uh, yeah, they don't, I, I heard that he, was, he came over in 2016, which would have been under Biden and Obama anyway, so it doesn't really matter. I, I don't really care. It's, it's just the fact that, like, it, uh, what about the 10-year-old girl? There, there's just so many things about this story that are just that raise more questions. Now, what happened was, yes, did I, get, did I get it wrong? It apparently did happen, yes. But the only reason that we know this now is because that people were complaining on social media like myself. And what happened is we finally saw real journalism and, and journalists that make a lot more money than, than you or I ever can dream of started pursuing this and asking questions. And now, now we just have more questions. And we have an arrest, but nothing makes sense. Interesting. Interesting. Well, uh, I certainly hope that the, the 10 year old girl is okay. And so we can't yeah, even just, really touch on this. We just, we just have to, I mean, you, that's all you can hope for is the girl is okay, but we don't get any info, no answers, no, nothing. 
Yeah, just just it's this is just a never ending news cycle that it's it's in the news for 24 hours and then it's gone and you don't hear from it ever again. So um, interesting. But uh, yeah, we heard a couple of retractions on that as we were just talking about um, from another prominent mainstream journalist uh, was just talking about this as well. So but let's not dwell on this anymore. Let's go on to our next topic. And that would be uh, President Joe Biden's trip to Saudi Arabia, Jeddah, over in the Middle East, where he met with uh, Saudi Karam Prince Mohammed bin Salman, a.k.a. MBS. So we saw um, the fist bump uh, that reverberated around the world. So, Joe, uh, go ahead. And I know you're you're chomping at the bit for this topic. Um even just reading some other articles here about this trip from left-wing news sources are very, very pessimistic about this visit and um, the failures behind it. So go ahead. Floor is yours. All right. I got to take a deep breath and calm down. Just relax for a second. But to sum up this trip in one sentence, he got swindled. The president of the United States, the United States, the most powerful country in the world, goes to Saudi Arabia during an energy crisis, which, which he caused, but we'll get into that later, with the promise of more oil. Now, at the airport, he's greeted by the mayor of Mecca, which is kind of offensive in itself. Then, instead of the red carpet, they, they rolled out this purple carpet for him, which I looked up, and, and their culture signifies an act of generosity by a king, I believe. So it appears as if a beggar has come to plead for more oil here. Like, can you imagine what they're saying there? Like, uh, King, King, it appears a beggar has arrived at the city gates. What shall we tell him? It's, and then MBS gets, like you said, the great photo op where Biden fist pumps him and basically absolves him of the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, who I, I don't even care. I mean, he probably he had ties to terrorists, to terrorist cells and stuff. But we'll get to that later. And then these two people, MBS and Biden, they meet behind closed doors. So we, the American people, we have no idea what they said, which there's a lot of that. That's fine. But then MBS sends Joe home and right after puts out like a message. Sorry, boys, no more oil. In, in simple terms, that's what they said. But you can't pump any more oil. You ain't getting any more oil. Now, today, I guess it's two days later. So Monday morning today. Oil is around $5 more a barrel the last I saw it. Meanwhile, it's Biden's policies that caused this issue. Uh, but to wrap up, Biden goes to Saudi Arabia, meets with MBS. We have no idea what they talked about. Biden leaves. Oil prices go vertical. He just needs to stop because <laughs> just stop. Stay home. Stay home from now on. Please go back to the basement and just stay there. You're making everything worse. Uh, say what you want about Trump, okay? At least he put us in the room with the world leaders. He he had an idea of what was we we had an idea of what was going on in the closed door meetings, and we had a media waiting to pounce on him at any and every mistake and, and question him on every meeting, even if it meant siding with a foreign country. I mean, look what they did with uh, the Ukraine call. I could go on to so many different things. If only Biden were held to the same standards. But we're the laughing stock. He embarrasses over there. Like I said, not the red carpet treatment. You get the you're a beggar. A beggar has come to Saudi Arabia. What shall we give him? And we got yeah. Nothing. Let's we got give nothing. our listeners. Take it from there. Let's give our listeners some context. He was greeted 
at the airport by a mayor, um, not MBS, not uh, the king uh, of Saudi Arabia, a mayor, the mayor of Mecca. Um, so, you know, and, and, and then let's talk about the fist bumps. I'm sure this was coordinated between both camps. You know, President Biden's going to fist bump, um, you know, MBS because COVID's back. Oh, so, you know, we can't have a shit. We can't, can't have a handshake. But apparently, from what reports said, he did shake the king's hand, MBS's father. Um, so he was in Israel prior to this. And other parts of this trip that were leading up to Saudi Arabia were, I believe, dealing with uh, Iran and the Iranians. Uh, because Israel's mortal enemy is Iran. Iran wants to see Israel wiped off the face of the earth. Israel wants to see Iran wiped off the face of the earth. Um, so this Iran nuclear deal is now surfacing back up again, right? And Saudi Arabia also has a common enemy with Israel, and that is Iran. Why? Because Iran has Shiite Muslims uh, in the country dominated by Shiite Muslims. Saudi Arabia comprised mostly of Sunni Muslims. So they do have a common enemy. Our two main allies in the Middle East are Israel and Saudi Arabia. So you don't want to piss off the Saudis, right? Um, well, what do they do? Under Barack Obama, we had the Iran nuclear deal, which upset uh, the Saudis, right? We had a very poor relationship with Saudi Arabia under Barack Obama. Donald Trump comes in, he pulls the United States out of the Iran nuclear deal and was, you know, had very warm relations with the Saudis. And now we have this again. So I don't know if this was a trip that was trying to, you know, as some journalists called it, tried to reset the relationship between the United States and Saudi Arabia. You know, it didn't need reset after, um, you know, Trump left office because all, everything was good. But, you know, the United States trying to get back into this Iran nuclear deal again, which would give the Iranians hundreds of millions of dollars, but allegedly, you know, with the promise of them not having a nuclear weapon. Um, so you're right. I mean, he went, he went as a beggar, you know, asking for more oil. And I don't even know if Saudi Arabia can pump more oil. All right. They, they can. I, I don't kid yourself. They can. It's just, it's in, we're, we're the laughing stock now. Look at him. He shuffled around over there. He doesn't make any, he was in Israel before that. He made an embarrassment out of himself there with what he said. As soon as he got off the plane, the picture that got me the the most was um, was Biden next to MBS. I mean, you have an old man, seventy nine years old, next to a one of the most powerful people in the world, MBS. We uh, should also, real quick, take a time out to mention that his uncle actually owned a very very large portion of Twitter, which is just odd. Interesting, interesting piece of information. But no, just just to see MBS, just a young. Um, obviously the Saudi crown prince, he, he pretty much runs the country uh, with his father and other members of his family. But just to see these two kind of interact, it was kind of like, you know, he, he had to have been deep down thinking Biden, you know, I'm going to run right over him. You know, he's not a threat. And, and President Biden said that he, he confronted him about the Khashoggi murder. And, and Biden apparently said that he accused MBS of making the call on that. And MBS said he didn't. 
and Biden said, well, I believe he did. Um, well, we'll never know because so. it was behind closed doors. Well, so we'll never know if Biden even said that or what was said or if it was even brought up. That's you'll never and the the media won't press him. Right. So does that mean is that the other one of the other reasons why he went to to um, hash out the murder of Jamal Khashoggi? You know, I, I'm not real sure about that. But um, as we saw this 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 meeting, uh, like you said, uh, the price of oil has gone up. Um, since he got back. So um, apparently OPEC has a, uh, has a meeting here at the beginning of August. And I guess it's on August 3rd. So if they want to raise the output uh, OPEC, they will make that decision then. Um, so we'll see what they do. But, you know, from what I've been reading, demand is, is not as strong as it was a month ago. So they, they might not find a reason to, to boost output. So we'll see what happens. But I mean, I anything think, else on this, I think on the this? man's real quick. I think the man's there. I just think there's people that honestly just, I, I mean, I, I'm driving less. I, I go to, I go to target honestly with my wife three to four times a week. And honestly, I, I, I just don't want to go sometimes because it's the gas. I don't want to drive yeah. anywhere. Sometimes it's because of the gas. I mean, honestly, I just don't want to leave my house. Well, you drive those luxury vehicles where you need, you know, super 93. Yeah. <laughs> Putting 87 in them. So do you, do you do the, do you do the target, uh, pickup when you go? Uh, well, I would love to. Um, but usually my wife wants to go inside and put stuff in the cart and then take it back out. And it's just, it's a terrible game. Yeah. Man. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh target's a dangerous store. And then there's Marshall. It's like the right, like a line. It's, it's like honestly playing monopoly and you're like going like on board cause there's target and there's Marshall's and there's, I don't even know what Kohl's sells, but no matter what we do, Amazon returns there. So we're, we always wind up at Kohl's. And Kohl's I, is a, it's like, it's like the Ikea of department stores. It's just so much inside there. I know, but how do they sell? Like who <laughs> buys this stuff? <laughs> yeah, right. Who goes to Colts? I know. Like, I don't know. But anything else with Biden in Saudi Arabia? Uh, yeah, a, a ton. But like I said, it's just, it, we're just a laughingstock. Uh, there's nothing even, go, it's, it's depressing to go into. How, how could you? How could you just watch that and just watch him shuffle around out there and say, "Yep, that's America." I'm proud. I can almost guarantee you that they do not respect Biden like they did Trump or even Obama, for that matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just you know we can't afford to have the Saudis, you know, not be our ally, especially in the Middle East. Um, you know, you could say what you want, um, but they are our key ally. In the Middle East, they are, you know, they have, we have the same goals and objectives as they do when it comes to Iran. So um, that relationship is going to be key going forward. So we'll see how it goes, you know, the next, you know, year and a half uh, and then, until the 2024 election. It's, 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 it's it just watch out for the Middle East. Wherever Biden goes to, usually problems just follow there right after. Look, look, at, look at Europe. I mean, he went to, on that European trip where he's supposed to talk to Vladimir Putin. That was, I think, in the fall of. 2021 and literally four months later we had russia ukraine so <laughs> well you but did I, you I did come note real quick so you said that the sunni and shiites people don't really know and that's fine but how many how many people in congress do you think have no idea the difference between a, a sunni or a shiite or anything over there it's just that's sad that's how we get in situations like this because people there are like that are idiots and don't know anything but we're getting off topic right. let's, let's move on to the next one before i before i freak out over biden just embarrassing us overseas again. Yeah, that was not a good look. So that, I'm assuming that'll be his last trip to Saudi Arabia as president. But hey, you never know. 
Um, another topic that's going to get close to home here that we want to get to is the Senate race between John Fetterman, a.k.a. Fetty Watt, as I like to call him, and Dr. Mehmet Oz. Um, we want to look at these two guys. Uh, just a bizarre, bizarre last two months on the campaign trail for both these guys. Dr. Oz, I don't even know, is he in Turkey? Is he in California? Is he recording TV shows? He has been literally MIA um, since the primary. Um, actually, since Election Day. <laughs> we, we didn't see him at all. We didn't hear from him at all, really, until, uh, you know, while the recount was going on. And John Fetterman, another guy who's been MIA after he had a, a massive stroke. Um, so I know you cannot wait to get in on these two. You've been railing against Oz um, for months now. And I would think the most Republicans will probably agree with you uh, that this guy is not a strong Republican candidate. Um, John Fetterman, who I would say maybe he was a solid candidate. For the Democratic side before he had a stroke, but no one's heard from him since the stroke. So go ahead and take this one. Uh, honestly, there's 100 senators, and this is a very important race, and it happens in PA where we live. And this is this is who we have. <laughs> okay, let's just do some fast facts for Fetterman. We'll start with Fetterman. We'll do a couple fast facts and bullet points that I that I looked into the guy that I can give you right now. So the guy's basically a seven foot bulging artery about the aneurysm he had a stroke as mark said he went into that so he's from the braddock part of pittsburgh um he was mayor for a while was it mayor mark I he was the he mayor of braddock correct. okay so uh the guy dresses more informal than bill belichick he wears hoodies and sweatpants to every single campaign event you got to see the way this guy dresses so no cargo shorts yeah it's it's embarrassing so you got to ask yourself what's that gonna look like this fall when he's drooling in a wheelchair at his campaign events because no one, no one's seen this guy speak since his aneurysm. Do you want to jump in on that? I mean, I, I, I want to know. If, and it's looking like right now he is going to get elected if the if the election were to be held today. Um, and we still have a long way to go. We have, you know, we're under four months away from an election. But if the race was held today, Fetterman would win. What would he be wearing on the Senate floor? I, I don't know. Like I've it, I've never seen a senator not wear a shirt and tie and a suit on the Larry the cable guy stuff. Yeah, so is he going to rock the hoodies, you know, in the cargo shorts, what? But, um, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll um, cite Crystal Ball, as we were just talking about from Breaking Points, and Sagar and Jetty. Those two were great uh, hosts for Breaking Points. They said that they have heard that uh, Fetterman's stroke was a lot worse than people know about. Um, he is unable to speak uh, coherently. Um, since his stroke, I mean, no one's heard from him. No one's heard him talk, seen him talk, anything. Uh, his campaign has been relatively low key, except for some of the commercials they've been putting out. So, and um, Twitter, and he's very active on Twitter. Yeah, well, I'm sure he has a social media person. Yeah, you know, like most of these people do, that are handling that. But I, 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 if it's as bad as these two say it is. You know, it takes months, if not years, to recover from a stroke, if you ever recover. So uh, this is something to watch. This is a crucial race uh, in the country, and all eyes are on this race um, because this is, you know, and, and we have heard prior to this, that prior to the election, that Oz was polling really well against Fetterman. 
that Oz was a shoe in if he goes up against Fetterman. And now um, we are seeing Doug Mastriano actually polling better against Josh Shapiro than Oz is against Fetterman. So, again, we hope John Fetterman's okay. But if he's not, how is this going to play out um, during campaign season? Because things are going to start ramping up here once we get into August and middle late August. He's going to have to come out and start showing his face and start speaking and campaigning. Um, what do you yeah. think? Well, okay. So you can make the argument that this is actually the most important Senate race in the 2022 election cycle. I, I, can you think of one off the top of your head that's more important for sure? Uh, there are a lot of good Senate races out there across the country, but this one is, is kind of juicy because you just have two polar opposite candidates. Two you know, Chuck Oz Norris is, candidates that are missing in action. Yeah. No one's seen them. You have Oz, who's you know pretty much, we'll call him an elitist at this point, probably doesn't even live in Pennsylvania. Um, and Republicans are going to have to be forced to make a decision when they go to the polls if they really want to vote for Dr. Oz. Um, he got Trump's endorsement over Dave McCormick because I think Trump thought he may have been more electable because he's on TV and people know him and this and that. And then you have John Fetterman, who's really just kind of like an average guy, you know, probably definitely, not probably definitely more relatable to the, to Pennsylvanians than Dr. Oz is. So I think that you're going to see. Though. He ran a great campaign until that stroke. You have to, you have to give Fetterman credit. He was running a great campaign until that happened. I mean, oh, yeah. Uh, total grassroots. You know, I think he would pull in a lot of independents. I think he would get a lot of Republican votes. So I would definitely give the edge to Fetterman. However, again, we have to see how this plays out as we head into August here and, and, and to see him actually campaign. You know, and where is Dr. Oz? Where are the TV ads against Fetterman? You know, you supposedly have all this huge war chest, you know, of, of all his own money and Republican money. And I haven't seen one TV ad for Dr. Oz yet. So I'm not sure what they're waiting for. This is critically important. And you would think that, you know, Oz would be more, well, I guess, aggressive uh, and more, you know, out in front of this than what's he going to wait for? Uh, Is that roll around? I I don't know. Unless he's just letting, waiting for Fetterman to show his face. Like, unless you're right about like the stroke and it's way worse than it is. And he's waiting for Fetterman to like show up. But like, both candidates have been, like I said, Chuck Norris missing in action. I, I don't think either have really been seen. I think Dr. Oz was actually in Beaver. Was it, was it right after that was, the that primary? Was, that was before the primary. That was probably was before, about a month before the primary. Okay. So that was the last time like I heard him being around here. And this is like a, a nice nice area for candidates to come to. Believe me, they all want to come to Beaver, Beaver County. Um, I just don't know. You said about the campaign and the money and stuff. I don't know where, where Fetterman stands because they have to have a lot of money. I mean, but he has to, he's going to have to show up, like I said, to, to campaign events this, this fall. I, I mean, what's he going to do, bring a dog to sit next to him, like a homeless person, to get money? I, I don't know. He's not I mean, out there. He's, not, he's missing in action. He is, I mean, yeah, he's totally missing in action. I mean, for all, for all we know, he's in a wheelchair, I mean, at this point. And – the only other candidate or political figure I could think of that's in a wheelchair is Texas Governor Greg Abbott. Um, so what, it, what would happen, though, if, if Oz can't fulfill the duties? What if he decides to drop out of the race? Would then his name, would, would his name still be on the ballot in November? Or did you have to pull out by a certain date, I think, for that to happen? Do you, do you know what would happen? I'm if guessing he that's says, up to the party. I can't run. 
I can't see him doing that, though. I can't see the Democrats even allowing him to do that. You know, but I, I mean, they, they don't let Biden quit. They they keep on running Biden up there. who's basically spoon fed like like Fetterman might be. But we don't know for I mean, sure. For all we know, Biden's had several mini strokes. I mean, yeah, because he can't. He actually had either. one in 2000. What was it? 15 or 16, 17, something like that. Yeah. But okay, as you what, know, when you when you do have a stroke, this is confirmed that he did have one. Um, this is not some rumor. Um, oftentimes your speech goes, you know, in, in your physical, you know, abilities and whatnot. So, uh, again, I don't know what, where this is going, but, um, this is an interesting race and it's getting a lot of national attention. So do you want to dive more into to Oz or, well, we should also mention that, uh, I did dig into Fetterman and I did note very notable. He started in the hit movie, the Goonies, apparently. <laughs> he would you know he is a uh you know he, he he's a very likable guy you know he, he has a lot of policies that 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 really resonate with people so uh, you are you have been anti-aw since the beginning we don't have enough time in the show to go like the guy was pro mask for and this is on television you could go on youtube and you could look up these videos all of 2020 and 2021, he's Mr. Dr. Fauci, like uh, mask, vax, all, all this. And then all of a sudden, right before he starts running for office, he takes a pivot and doesn't want people. There's no reason to mask anymore, which right. uh, that, that's just one thing. Then we could go to like with the, the trans kids and stuff and puberty blockers or whatever we're talking about. He did a whole episode on his show. And basically wasn't coming out against this stuff. And I mean, Republicans have morals and values and stuff like, and I can't picture too many Republicans that would really want to vote for a guy that's for that kind of stuff. And right. And, and that's why people were so surprised that he got Trump's endorsement. He was like the antithesis of Trump, basically, you know, he's not anywhere close to MAGA and doesn't appeal to the MAGA crowd um, and, and to the Trump base. And again, that's why I think a lot of people were just shocked. Like Trump's endorsed Oz. Like McCormick was much closer to, to, to Trump than Oz. And, you know, uh, I'm one of those people that believes you'll say anything to get elected. And it seems like Oz is saying anything in order to get elected. So again, Republicans are going to have to have a choice when they go to the, the ballot, the polls well, in, uh, in November. Can we get to the election fraud aspect that he's, he's never, ever mentioned one thing about election fraud in 2020 which is fine i get it's a hot button issue but also the the primary he what was the final vote tally for the primary we just had under very strange circumstances but i mean he won and then all of a sudden we were supposed to get a recount and mccormick said you know what i I don't really want to pursue it Uh, i i quit Uh, i concede what is going on in our, our election and like i said we don't even know the final vote tallies do we in this primary we never that got was one of the that was one of the closest races probably in, in Pennsylvania history, at least on a national um, level like that. And after 2020, and, we still got no final vote count. No, right. Ugh. And it's just, again, this goes back to the absolute mess that Pennsylvania is when it comes to elections. Uh, we talked about it last episode with the mail-in ballots. They don't count mail-in ballots until on election day. You know, why not have those already counted and done with? So, you know, we know. Um, and you're right. McCormick just said, yeah, just, 
Yeah, it's all right. Oz, you can, you know, it's your race. I mean, yeah. he was he was totally okay with. We don't want to divide the, the party. We don't want to divide was, the party. It was under what a thousand votes. It was it was well within the half percent where the, it was almost like, hey, we can't have this go to a recount because it's going to look super fishy. But I, you, I don't know. We'll never know. Just shut up. The election was fair. Shut up. The election was fair. Forget it. We're moving on. Right. Yeah, that's what we're told. <laughs> Again, it's it's comical. It, it, this is this is a, this it, is America. It, and, and we heard we heard that Kathy Barnett was surging in the polls. You know, on, on election day. And you mean that racist? Run. You mean that racist yeah, it, that was for abortion or for anti-abortion? Right. Uh, it's and, and she was surging, and then she ends up finishing a distant third. So probably cost McCormick that race, if you ask me. I think McCormick wins that race if Kathy Barnett um, doesn't run. Liked her. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I liked her too. You know, she had a great story, and you know, again, coming out of nowhere like that. Um, but Oz Fetterman. It's the worst. It's the worst race in possibly history. If anyone has seen an Oz commercial, you know, please send us a message and let us know uh, what channel you saw it on or, or when you saw it, because um, they're going to put his face on a milk carton here soon. Yeah. So. All right. We'll revisit that race uh, probably next month. I'm sure the campaign's going to get going here soon, and we'll see if uh, if Fetty Wap comes out. And if Oz starts running commercials and these guys start campaigning. So um, let's move on to our next topic. And do you want to talk about the Tech Will Sunberg or countries to watch? Let's do the, I, I don't even know where to go with the Sunberg guy. Um, it, it's an evolving story. It literally just happened over the weekend. Uh, In case you haven't, let's, Talk about this, what happened, um, so people are aware. Okay, so apparently this guy with, with a mental illness, um, African-American, we have to say, to broke into or was in a hallway and started, from what I understand, I don't know if it was just random, but shooting at this woman and her kids. And somehow I think he wound up in her apartment, and I don't know if it was a hostage situation or what it was, but snipers had to take the guy out. I think he shot into the apartment from like the outside. It, I think you are right. Um, yeah. It was just very, I was following on Twitter. It was just very confusing. Everything was happening so fast. You, you, you really couldn't follow. But from what I understand, he shot in there and the, a, snipe, a sniper killed him, I believe. Well, and he was given six hours to negotiate with police. His dad was on the phone with him um, from what I read. I had to look the story up because I had not heard about this until today. And so his dad was on the phone with him, begging him to negotiate with police. Police are trying to negotiate with him. He not, he had not killed anyone. He had just shot into an apartment. And again, police were trying to negotiate with him. He's standing on a balcony or on or you know outside of his apartment. You said this is in Minneapolis, correct? I believe so. Yes. Okay. So go ahead and, and you could finish the rest of the story here. Uh, so okay. So he's he's killed by snipers. Um, let's see here. Where I got to hold on a second here. We we don't have the video. I don't have the video on me right now. Um, I want to play it, but so it's the mother of the two kids. I, I guess Black Lives Matter and I don't know who else was outside protesting against the police that killed him. Uh, they think it's a murder, and 
the woman dro- comes up and says, "Hey, this is this is not a murder. He was he was trying to kill me in front of my kids. Like my kids are traumatized. They may have like mental distress and have to seek therapy. And you guys are out here marching for this person. Just go home and grieve by yourself." And the video is amazing because they tell the woman basically to shut up. You're still alive, aren't you? And they just this is where we are in this country. We are we are making these people into martyrs that are that are hurt. And the woman has two. Not that it matters. It doesn't matter to me. It matters to these white liberals. But the woman has two black kids. So do black lives really matter? It's just the whole the whole topic just makes me sick. Honestly, I don't know how we got to this 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 stage. But you well, have people marching for a murderer. Oh, not a murderer. He didn't murder anyone. But you have people marching for someone who almost killed a woman in front of her kids. Granted, he had mental illness. I get his mental illness. Yeah, and and if you see the video, the woman is screaming, you know, and and she looks like, if you didn't know any better, you'd think she was, you know, lost her mind um, in this video. But she was screaming at the people that were protesting, you know, the the murder, or not, call it the murder, the death of, of this Heckle Sunberg. When she's the one who was almost the victim. So I, I get her rage and her frustration. She is a victim. She's, they're all victims because, like I said, just because they didn't die, that's what no one understands. Just because they didn't die doesn't mean everything's okay and dandy. Like, have you ever been like a traumatic car accident? or like, It affects people for their whole lives sometimes, especially yeah. a young kid. And they, but these people don't care. They don't care at all. They told her, oh, she's having, she's having an episode or something. I can't remember what they said. But it's I bet you none of those people protesting put themselves in her shoes and, and try to imagine how she felt, you know? I mean, can you imagine bullets coming into your apartment or home? <sighs> Especially crazy. with your kids there. Yeah. And then people were, yeah. like, celebrating the guy after right in your face. Rub it right, rub it right in your face. Yes, please. Please. That'll, right. that'll get more people to your cause. Right. Oh, just a wild story out of, uh, out of Minneapolis, but um, you know, it's Minneapolis, so yeah, we know some crazy things happen up there. So, um, all right, I have a couple topics here that I wanted to get to, um, and I know you'll be chiming in. But the first one: media confidence ratings at record lows. This is from Gallup. Gallup. Um, so probably a center-left polling organization, right? Um, and Again, this poll goes back to Americans' confidence in the media. Gallup poll. 16% of Americans have a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in newspapers. 11% of Americans have a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in television news. What do you think that is? What do you think that is, Joe? (laughs) (laughs) Have you watched television? The last, I, I mean, it's almost, it's almost embarrassing to turn on like I, anything, any, any CNN, any Washington Post. Do you remember all the stories out of Ukraine that turned out to be to completely fake that they pounded down our necks? And before I go into, and yeah, and before I go into the, into the reasons why that you just touched on, we'll go by party here. 35% of Democrats have a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in newspapers. 12% of independents and only 5% of Republicans have a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in newspapers. And then we get to the television news. 20% of Democrats, quite a lot of confidence, television news. 
20% of Democrats, 8% of independents and 8% of Republicans have a lot of, that's below 10%. So they lie to us about Russiagate. They lie to us about masks. They lie to us about vaccines. They lie to us about, um, what else? You could go. You could go on forever. Where did the where you did the coronavirus come from? Did, did the coronavirus come from a lab in Wuhan, or did it come from a bat having sex with a pangolin? We you don't know. We still don't have this answer. And two years ago, if you even tweeted that, you were probably banned off social media or suspended for for a couple of days or a couple twelve hours or something. And no wonder why. Name something they've been right about in hindsight. Good. Try. Uh, try. Honestly, I honestly can't answer that. I this don't is, know. This is our media. This this is the, they, this is a trillion dollar industry that's that's getting everything wrong. Eleven percent of Americans have confidence in TV news. Now let's go back for perspective. Twenty years ago, thirty five percent of Americans that number was up to, and now in the high water mark in this in this poll was back in eighteen seventy nine. Back to 51%, and that was on newspapers only. So now we're down to 11%. Um, so that's down 24% in 20 years. So, I mean, and we know this is not just CNN or MSNBC or it's Fox News. It's mostly every one of these, you know, cable media news channels. Cable media is ripping us apart at the seams. And frankly, people are fed up. No one trusts them. And I don't even know how, honestly, you can regain the trust of the American people at this point. I, I don't know what they could do to regain the trust. And on top of that, we saw that CNN, their ratings are at 20-year lows. Their ratings haven't been this low since 2002. I mean, think about that. And plus, I mean, they're, they they're in every waxed. airport, too. So Every airport. They are getting waxed in every single category, time slot, you name it. But you know what? You know who's going to do wonders for the ratings when he comes back? Donald Trump, because he is going to probably announce his run for president. We think maybe sometime, maybe this fall. You know, I don't know if he'll wait till early 2023. But when he comes back, you can guarantee that CNN will make him be to be the villain. And if not, they will have wall-to-wall coverage on Donald Trump after he announces. And watch their ratings start to climb back up again. Do you disagree? Uh, no, not at all. Um, they need him. They need him to come back so bad. The guy's been doing nothing but golfing and having a few rallies here and there. That's it. Yeah, he's on CNN every day still. Yeah. Their ratings were through the roof during the Trump administration. And that's what, you know, kind of, I don't know how to say this, but, you know, they were so, I guess, anti-Trump during the lead up to the 2020 election. You would have thought that they would have been promoting and, and been pushing Trump to keep their ratings sky high. But we've seen the ratings crater uh, over the last two years without him in office so um take that however you want it, want to but again going back to what i just said 16 percent of americans have confidence in newspapers and 11 percent 
have confidence in the TV news. Um, I mean, that's, that is absolutely pathetic. And again, we've seen why over the last six years. Um, just the absolute trust has been eroded. And again, I don't know how, how you come back from that. So uh, we'll see going forward if, you know, they turn their act around and, you know, actually want to be, you know, more newsworthy and less, you know, tabloidy. How, how would we know if they ever turn their act around? Because sometimes they don't get caught in their lies for months. It's happening a lot quicker, though, now, you have to admit, where, like, you, with COVID, it took a while for that lab leak theory to really catch steam. Ukraine was almost, like, lifetime. Like, they were getting – their stories were getting debunked. Snake Island, the ghost of Kiev, all, all these things. I mean, people might not even – listening might not even know what these are, but these are, like – we had a, a former general on, I think it was MSNBC actually, saying, going over fighter footage, and it was a video game. I'm not making this up. Look it up. And he put it on Twitter. And he was like, this is the Ukrainian smashing the Russian jets. It's a video game. And this guy is a three or four star general retired. And he's an analyst on MSNBC. And they bring these people on. It's embarrassing. I don't know what was better, that or the ghost of Kiev. The, the Washington, the fact checkers, Washington Post. We can't confirm it, he he may exist, but this photo is not of him. What is, is that even a fact check? Yeah, it, it's it's just unbelievable. And, and you know what? More people are getting their news too from podcasts and from yeah. different media sources. Oh, the Hunter you know, Biden so laptop too. We can't forget about the Hunter Biden laptop. Yeah, NPR. Oh, Hunter, yeah, we, they don't want to we delve were... into stories that are clearly, uh, how do they word it, that are Russian uh, conspiracy theories. And it was the Hunter Biden laptop. And it ended we'll up have being our own on the Hunter Biden laptop. That laptop from hell. <sighs> but, but they lied to us about that. That was Russian disinformation, right? That changed the election, maybe. I mean, it came out right in October. It was like, no, it's Russian disinfo. Nothing on this laptop is legit. Don't worry about the president's son. Shut up. Just yep. shut up. Stay in line. Yeah. No, vote Democrat. So, um, so final topic for me uh, is um, this is from Reuters again, uh, exclusive. Russia's Gazprom tells Europe gas halt beyond its control. So, if you didn't know, um, the pipeline that provides natural gas, liquefied natural gas to Europe, comes from Russia called Nord Stream One. Um, went down for its, uh, I believe, annual maintenance, annual repairs. And on, I believe, June 14th, it went into uh, its repairs for the year. And now they just said that um, they don't know when they're going to turn it back on. And it's probably going to be down indefinitely. Um, So that means that Russia has Europe by the absolute balls when it comes to heating and the natural gas that they're going to need here in about mm, two months when it starts to get cold over in Europe, when the winter starts to come. You know, Ned Stark said winter is coming, and it is coming quick for the Europeans. They get 40% of their natural gas from Russia. And can you imagine if Russia just says, you know, we're not going to turn it back on. You guys can get your, you guys can heat your homes somewhere, somehow 
somewhere else, you know, burn wood in your living rooms or whatever it may be. But as I said before earlier today to you, you know, this is, there are no coincidences, right? Europe just signed off, the European Union just signed off on $500 million arms deal to Ukraine. Another 500 million. Keep it flowing. And around the same time, Russia said, yeah, we're not turning this pipeline back on. Uh, your thoughts? It's to, to, for people that don't understand, if you've ever seen the movie Casino, Russia basically, it's, it's like the, the head in the vice. Russia has Germany's head in the vice. And they're just, they're just going to slowly squeeze them and going into winter. And Germany's going to, what are they going to do? They're going to have to either go without natural gas or they're going to have to, they're going to have to turn off their support for, I wouldn't say NATO, but definitely Ukraine. But Russia, Russia's not going to want these, these NATO countries on their border or anything like that. It, it's just, it's not a good situation in, going on in Europe right now. Our strategy has backfired so terribly when it comes to Russia. They don't even need to sell natural gas to Germany and to the rest of Europe because they are, their coffers are, are getting so enriched from oil to India and other countries who will, are more than happy to buy it. And I, I truly feel sorry for the people in Europe who are going to suffer this winter. Um, if they don't have heat, that's not an exaggeration. That literally may happen. They may have heat only for several hours a day. They may have to find alternative sources. And we haven't even talked about the price. I think we mentioned this last episode. The price of natural gas will be sky high in Europe this winter. Um, but going back to Germany, you know, they do not want their nuclear, three nuclear power plants are already due to go offline um, at the end of this year. And there are people in Germany who do not want those nuclear power plants to be extended. And I just read today that if they have to refuel, they do have to refuel. If they were to keep them online, they'd have to refuel and they wouldn't be able to keep those or continue the usage of those nuclear power plants until 2023. And then they'd have to keep them going for four or five more years. I don't know the politics in Germany behind this, but they compared it to the gun issue here in the United States. Um, That's how big of a hot topic it is in Germany. They're talking about putting speed limits on the Autobahn uh, to conserve fuel. Um, But last time I checked, nuclear power is clean energy. And they might have to rely on coal-fired power plants to possibly generate heat uh, and energy for Germany here uh, this winter, which goes against everything that they've been, you know, um, promoting over the last couple of years, especially with the Paris Climate Accord. So um, what, an, what an absolute cluster it is over in Germany and what an ordeal this is with the, um, uh, with the natural gas. So um, let's see how this plays out over the next couple of weeks. Do you have anything else to add to that? Uh, stay warm this winter if you're in Germany. People don't understand like the geography behind it. Like Germany and then co- countries in like Northern Europe, they, they get very cold in the winter. And it's not just like, hey, it's just going to be cold this winter. Now you have you have a lot of issues up there, frozen pipes, everything. You just can't turn off the heat and expect everything to be fine and dandy. It's it's going to be a total disaster come this winter if if what there's if if that happens, total disaster. 
That the, what else? What else can it be? How do you heat your home? I, I, I don't know what there's. I don't know what the plan is in Germany. I mean, we're obviously we're not on the ground over there, and we don't probably have intimate knowledge of, of the situation like they would probably over there. But I, I just can't imagine this situation and, and this happening here in the United States. Thank God we live on a, on a floating, you know, monstrosity of natural gas. I mean, we have three Saudi Arabias here in the United States when it comes to natural gas with the Marcella Shell, Permian Basin, and I think I forget the the third, the third major uh, deposit of natural gas and oil. So, you know, Americans don't know how lucky we have it here. And again, we mentioned this last episode in regards to, you know, the luxuries we have as Americans. The, the United Kingdom, England, seeing their hottest temperatures ever on record this week, it was up to like 105 degrees over in England. And for people that don't know this, for, you know, so whoever didn't listen to the last episode, if you weren't aware of this, outside of public buildings and offices over in Europe, people don't have air conditioning. That's not something that's common over there. So homes, apartments, there are going to be thousands that die because of these heat waves over in Europe. And you could say it's climate change or whatever. That's fine. But the fact is, you know, they don't have air conditioning. That's not something that's you know, in their daily lives, like it is to ours. We just think of it as a, as a right almost. Um, but really we're privileged to be able to, to sit here and, and get through summer um, and not have to worry about that. But we are seeing heat waves and wildfires, you know, all across Europe, Spain, Portugal, Italy is in a, a 70 year drought, uh, England. So it doesn't get hot over there. They're saying they're, they're telling trains not to run because they're, they're worried about the tracks buckling. Uh, runways at airports are starting to melt. They're putting sand on the roads to prevent the blacktop from uh, breaking apart. So, I mean, this is highly, highly unusual. But so we're seeing that across Europe um, here in the dog days of summer. <laughs>